Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers in the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 344, Gen Con Hotness for 2021. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. So, Gen Con's over? Right? Apparently. Kind of weird, I guess. You know. Apparently it happened, and then it's over, and now we're moving on. You know, it's been so long since I haven't been part of Gen Con because <laughs> you didn't go me. two years ago, but I did. Yeah. Last year they didn't have one, so it's 2014 was the last time sure. that one of us was not involved in Gen Con. So yeah. that was the last time where we like logged on afterwards. And we're like, what happened? What should I care about? And then now I'm like, I don't even know where to go to find that information because I'm usually there. So. It's been a very weird time. Obviously, we're still living through a very weird time where time and space don't have any particular meaning. So it's not terribly surprising that Gen Con could come and gone, with, you know, basically not even a whisper. I mean, I, I barely saw anything online. Some of that was because they had a limited crowd, limited publishers, limited stock, limited games coming out. And obviously, because it was in mid-September, which it's yeah. usually in the beginning of August. So like people are doing stuff and they're back in school and working. And so, and it's during the, it's during the Jewish holidays too, which is again, like weird. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's before origins, which is also seems very weird because <laughs> that's never really been a thing. At least not that I know of, at least not in recent history. So. Yeah. It's a weird one. I don't know what to do with it. I, I mean, I kind of, I wrote it off as soon as they announced when they were going to put it because I knew I couldn't make it. And then I haven't yeah. really paid much attention. 
And then I was like a little FOMO early on in the year when they were talking about the games coming out this fall. And then all of them got delayed. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But all the big stuff is like shrug question mark when it comes out. So I'm just like, I don't know. I don't feel like I missed much. Except, you know, the experience of Gen Con is an experience. We missed that. but We did. From a game standpoint. Mm. Yeah, I don't have time to play games right now anyway. So. It really is true. And, and I think that's, I had the FOMO. I, I felt like I was missing out on an experience on and off. I was watching Twitter and Instagram and, and you know, trying to see if anyone was posting on Twitch. And it's kind of been like, it was good. You know, there was obviously some minor issues, some definitely some COVID issues. And as you mentioned, Anthony, there was some game supply issues on top of everything else. But um, seems like everyone generally had a good time. Hopefully everyone was very safe. I mean, Origins is next week, which is, again, very weird and strange. And I hope for everyone's safety, especially since it's almost literally the same group of people that all co-mingled a week later. So (laughs) I just don't. I'm hoping. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's two weeks. so. We should know mm-hmm. by then if there is an issue, and hopefully not. And everybody's like, "Cool, it worked. You're all healthy. Everybody's good. Thank God. You yeah. know, play some games." Please. But yeah, um, fingers crossed. The news today from the Pfizer saying that maybe the kids can get the shots in the next month. I'm like, "Ooh, Pax, I'm gonna do it." <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, I think you and I even had talked about. I don't know if was it this year or last year that we were talking about going to Essen, Essenspiel. It was, we literally had a detailed conversation, including logistics mm-hmm. and budget at the very <laughs> beginning of February. Okay. Of last year. Of like, last year. Like they, COVID had been a thing on CNN about some weird thing in China for about two weeks at that point. And we were like, gotcha. Not even remotely on our radar. Nope. And it was like legitimately we're considered it, considering doing it. And then yeah. within two weeks, we we're like, maybe probably shouldn't buy a ticket right now. And then two weeks later, like, Oh, we definitely can't do that. And two weeks later, like we're never leaving this country again. (laughs) It's true. So uh, for all of you out there, hopefully you had a great time with Gen Con. If you were not able to attend Gen Con, Anthony will talk about the hotness, the the hot games coming out of Gen Con on our feature review. So stick with us. I think you'll want to hear about those and how they fared or didn't fare, I guess, at least at this point. And obviously, stick with us, because again, Origins News is going to be coming up pretty soon. We'll be talking about the game fair there. Obviously, what's going on with Kama these days, and some of the particular challenges that's going on at different different conventions around the country, and I guess around the world as well. But Anthony, before we get into all that kind of fun stuff on our feature review, we do, in fact, have a little thing that we like to call Question of the Week, my friend. So what is our Question of the Week? Question of the week this week is, mm-hmm. what is a game you've never played without uh-huh. the expansion? That's so hard for never me. never played the base <laughs> game version of. Are there any that you'd never go back on? So, Wow. Um, I, yeah, this is a tough one. Because we've asked people, like, what's what's one that you would always would use the expansion for? But, like, what's one sure. you've never played without the expansion? So there's actually a couple in here that apply to me. Uh, I don't know if I can think of any others. But we'll run through the the listeners first mm-hmm. so david mentions role player um late to the party and introduced by some friends who played my first game with all the expansions thrown in really enjoyed the game bought a copy got the expansions sure. haven't played without since so that is a common thing i've seen like if you play with all the stuff in there 
you're like, well, I don't want to go back and take this stuff out. You know, yeah. might as well play with all of it in there. Uh, Matt mentions a couple of answers. Um, first one doesn't really count in his mind. He says Settlers of Catan always plays with the five to six player expansion. True. Um, not a, really a content driven expansion, but always plays with that. And then Battlestar Galactica always play with Pegasus. So it's never yes. played without Pegasus expansion. Agree. 100% agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, Carlos says we have not played Anachrony without the Fractures of Time expansion and doesn't expect we ever will. Uh, the extra planning necessary to move your workers a second time is delightfully brain burning. I have not actually played with the Fractures of Time expansion at all yet. So <laughs> I, I look forward to doing so, but I got my jumbo ridiculous box of anachrony up on the shelf and I, I need a much larger space in which to lay it out. Um, I've actually never, this. I've actually never played that without the miniatures. So oh, that counts. it's a miniature expansion. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That is an mm-hmm. expansion. It counts. I count it. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Um, Tim says champions of Midgard got to have them all. That, I mean, that game definitely elevates quite a bit with all the extra stuff thrown in the two extra maps. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Josiah mentions the big elephant in the room. This is the one that everybody would probably answer ticket to ride with the 1910 expansion. Exactly. So yeah. Basically giving you normal size cards and some better like goals to, to work towards at the end of the game there. Um, Brian mentions Runebound third edition with unbreakable bonds. So he plays mostly solo and unbreakable bonds makes the game much, much better, which I've heard from many people. That's like an essential solo expansion. Which is, of course, out of print. Both games are very hard mm. to find. But if you had it when it came out. <laughs> um, and then a couple more mentions here. Dark Moon, Spirit Island, um, Dominion. Although Dominion, who even knows what it all is mixed in there half the time. But Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of games, uh, ones that come with expansions, stuff that maybe you got on Kickstarter and you just threw everything in. Sure. Um I don't think I have any that I've never played without the expansion, at least none that I own, except sure. for something, yeah, like Ticket to Ride, where you just buy that and throw that in the box. But uh, I don't know. Can you think of anything? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I have played Ticket to Ride, the original version of it with the smaller cards. I don't mind the small cards, actually. I know I'm like oh, literally the only one that bothers it. But a game that I've I've always played with the expansion would be uh, Kingsburg because I bought mm. that game and I bought the expansion and the expansion comes with the bigger boards where you could do more things. And for the longest time, I, I'm not sure if this is still true, but for the longest time I've kept both sets of boards and every once in a while, like you, again, you get somebody who's a new player or you look at the, the boards you've never played and you're like, Hey, I should play with the smaller board with the limited limited options, you know, and it also came with, I think, different ways to kind of like make the decision on how much troops you were going to put out there. And I'm just like, this is far in, this is far inferior to the expansion, like dramatically. It's not even like this is a variation of a game you would want to play. Like this is better. I think, I think what it happened yeah. was like you had the tokens and instead in the original one, you rolled a die, which is completely random so it's just like no i can't i couldn't force myself to go back to the base game even though i do love the game so weird just weird i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's good that's good one. yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they're. I think again, back in the day, it used to be that there was more time between the base games and the expansions, and now those things are just kind of in there above and beyond. I guess the only other thing I probably could mention is all the other games that come with like multiple factions that you just want to throw in, like so mm-hmm. like small world. Like, of course, you want to have more factions or like Arcadia Quest came with a bunch of extra stuff through Kickstarter and you don't even think about it, but you just throw it in there naturally. And you're like, and the rest, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, well, this random combination doesn't work. Well, that was because it was part of this weird kind of Kickstarter <laughs> expansion. Right. But yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, because I, I was just trying to think of Kickstarters like that. But Blood oh Rain is a good one for me. Like, yes. I got all that Blood stuff in the original Kickstarter. I threw it all in the box. I've always played with the Mystics and I've always played with the gods. Like they're always in the game. And I don't I don't know what it's like without them because they're just they're really? in the box. You might as well put them on the board. So Yeah, I've I've rarely play with the gods. I have played with them, but I rarely do, but I've always played with the Mystics. Again, if people are like, oh, we got to pull the Mystic stuff out. I'm like, of course you do, because that's a little bit extra. Yeah, I think Kickstarter has changed that formula completely. I think that's yeah. that's a fair point, that we'll never go back to that kind of idea that like an expansion is kind of like expendable, right? You spent all this money, of course. It used to be back in the day, I mean, literally, we're, we're at the point, Anthony, we've been up doing a podcast long enough that we could actually say the words back, back in the, the day. day. <laughs> Right. That again, that the base game was pretty established because it did have real table time. And then when the expansion comes out, the expansion was expendable, right? Like, oh, maybe we will we will or won't play with the expansion, right? Like it's not necessarily essential for the game. And oh, we have a new player, let's not play with the expansion. And now it's the opposite. Like I paid two hundred dollars for this game. I'm playing right. with the expansion. I'm throwing all the extra stuff in, even if it's not play tested. So yeah, I think that's it's kind of go the opposite. So that's a really good question because I think that's a rarity now more 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 than ever, or it's come back around. I guess there was a time, and now we're back to the Kickstarter way of existing. Right. So yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> All right. So if you'd like to answer the question today, please hit us up. Facebook and Twitter are best, but again, you could always find us on boardgamersanonymous.com. And again. Wherever you leave a comment, even if it's some random rock somewhere on the road, somehow we'll find it, we'll read it, and we'll get back to you. We love hearing from you, and especially your question of the week. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's happening with our listeners. Let's get on to the things that we want to get to the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. Okie dokie. The new one for me uh, that I've been keeping my eye on is Origins First Builders. This mm-hmm. is uh, Borden Dice's big uh, fall release. And so they weren't at Gen Con. Like a lot of companies, they didn't make it. They are based in Europe. And for all the many reasons, that's just logistically a nightmare to get over here, plus health reasons. So they sure. did not come. But they were doing demos on uh, Gen Con online. And I have seen a lot of information about the game. So a lot of people had a chance to kind of take a look at it. This is designed by Adam Kwapinski, who um, you may know, from his work uh, on games like Nemesis and Frostpunk and Lords of Hellas. So some really big stuff, right? Uh, Specifically Nemesis, which is like top 20 now, I think, of all time, which is crazy to me. (laughs) Maybe because I've never played it. So, you know, I feel like I've played most of those games in the top 100, but when one like shoots up that much and I haven't even know much about it, I'm like, where did that come from? Um, So this game is uh, more of a Euro, so less of the, you know, 
his other games are like dudes on a map, but this one's more of like a civilization building Euro game. Um, but it's not like traditional US or uh, world civilizations. It's like a kind of a sci-fi fantasy type of world. Mm-hmm. And so you are on this devoted planet. You're trying to build up the city. You're like an archon, which is a nice sci-fi word. Um, and you have a, a population of people. You're trying to build different buildings and monuments and move up these temple tracks and do all the cool stuff that you do in a Euro game. Right. Um, and so the, the, in the beginning of the game, you have just a city with a couple tiles, the Agora and the palace. And as it, the game develops, you're going to get, you know, new tiles, new bits, new pieces, and just kind of grow. Right. Um, so on your turn, you're going to do things like visiting encounter sites with your workers, worker placement element, um, closing a district, gaining victory points by kind of filling in what you've been building, building towers, to increase your end game scoring possibilities, growing your population so you can do more stuff down the way. And it looks really interesting. You know, it it's I, it, like a lot of its games, um, and I've played Lord's Palace, but a lot of the games from what I've seen and from what I have played take a lot of different mechanics and ideas from other genres and other games and kind of mash them together a little bit. And that's what this seems like, right? It's got basic core city building civilization style elements to it, but mechanically they're like well there's some worker placement over here with the dice and we have some drafting some tile placement um and it all kind of meshes together and you're you're building something out of it so i don't know if it's going to be good because sometimes those mishmashy games can be a little muddled but i like the theme and i like the mechanics that he's pulling from and i like the games of his that i played i do like quite a bit so I am uh, looking forward to getting a chance to try this uh, once they can get it on a boat and get it to the U.S. or whatever is going on there with fulfillment. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It has a solo mode as well, uh, it looks like. So I will certainly be trying that out when it comes in. Yeah, and it's a it's a sol- solo mode by uh, D- uh, David Turchi too. So oh, well. you know that, yeah. <laughs> See, I sold you on the game, buddy. More yeah, no, I... I want my. I don't uh, know if that sells me on the game taste. or not because then his rule book <laughs> ends up being bigger than the original rule book. You're like, here's the solo rule book. It's 27 pages. <laughs> I know he he he, oh, he throws himself perchy. into it. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're I, really I, good I, once you get through it. But it's, it's <laughs> no, I mean it's it's good. He's very passionate about his solo playthroughs, and and I appreciate that. Like you said, whether or not they are you know out of outstanding variation or quality is a different story. But no, this. This looks fun. This is, it, it does, just by the bare looks of it, it does seem, like you said, it's a mishmash of some, of some other mechanics, but it does seem streamlined. It doesn't seem like it's just widely, like sometimes you see like games that mishmash, like you literally see like four or five different boards and you're like, I don't want that. Like it has to yeah. kind of some tie in. And this looks like it does, at least from the looks of it or the layout of it, it does look like design wise, it does play together. Yeah, so, yeah, there's one yeah. central board, you have one little player mat, and then you, you're building a tableau. So it's like a normal Euro footprint. It's not crazy. It's not like Nemesis, which is like three tables worth of stuff. So yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. So I want to talk about a game that is currently on Kickstarter. And it's a, a game from Flatout Games, who's producing some pretty cool games lately. This is Verdant, a puzzly spatial board game of houseplant collection and Care with gorgeous artwork by Beth Sobel. Now, uh, Beth Sobel has done so many great things. I mean, just that alone really attracted me. You probably know her work from Wingspan or Viticulture or Calico, I think is the most 
recent thing. Um, Arboretum was a game that really attracted me early on. Uh, and again, Lantern, she does just, she does a really solid job in her artwork across the board. It's just, it's really beautiful. It's really scenic. It's, it's very vibrant and it's colors. So again, of course, if you're going to have a game that has beautiful plants and she's done this with several of her other games, she does a really good job of expressing that kind of, um, homey kind of environment that plants kind of provide for us and the box cover and the individual cards themselves are gorgeous and since the game itself is very much about building a tableau of these different house plants along with the different lighting sources and different um you know little pieces that go along with it whether it's animals or um, additional items or carpets or things like that um, it's really cool. It, they, it's a very smart idea. If you're going to have a tableau, bring in an artist who can kind of really light up the stage there. And she does. Mm-hmm. This is a really um, beautiful game. And again, it's another game with, that I like to see because I have pretty much every farming game that I'll ever need. And it's not to say <laughs> I won't buy more farming games, but, you know, or more space battling, you know, or medieval night kind of games. But you know, bro, give give me something different. Like, mix it up a little bit. So, I like the idea here. I like the artwork here. And again, Flat Out Games has done a really decent job with their Kickstarters up to this point. And uh, Calico has blown up big time. And again, I think, you, Anthony, did you talk about, um, is it Cassadia? Um, Cassadia, yeah, was... two weeks ago. Yeah, I was yeah, going to mention you, that. And you like that, right? So, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I gave it a buy. It was it's fantastic. So I and it's it's again Beth Sobel's artwork, which is amazing. You know, and she's she's from that area too, which just makes it that much more exciting for me. That game. So yeah, and what I like about their games too, especially when you deal with Kickstarter these days, everything is insanely priced. And, yeah. and again, <laughs> Beth Sobel's artwork she deserves kind of insane prices because again, you're going to get these individual pieces of artwork here. And I'll talk about the gameplay in a second, but I do want to mention. This game and the last two games that they put out is only $29, which is in this time and space is crazy, right? (laughs) Like this, this game could have easily been $49 and you would have been like, sure, $49. I'll pay $49 for this game. Like, why wouldn't I? Right. Great artwork. It's got some wood pieces. It's got some little chits and things like that. I mean, the box itself does make it seem like there's more game in here than, you know, than it really is. But uh, yeah, this game is $29, folks. So, uh, you know, there is still shipping that that goes along with that, but I think that's a very good price. And again, they don't have one of those crazy kind of insane situations unless you want a hand-signed, super-duper edition of this. But um, let's talk about the actual gameplay itself. So I mentioned it's about houseplants, which is seems like strange and different, but I love it. I mean, like that is so cool. Like we're talking about houseplants and, you know, something near and dear to a lot of our hearts that it's great to get a great plant in there. Now the game itself is rather simple. So this is not a hardcore Euro game. That's going to burn your brain a little bit. This is definitely more towards the light gamer gateway gamer family game that you can get to the table and again basically what we're looking at is these different uh plants that come into play in order to build a tableau so basically at the start you're going to draft a card and a token so maybe you draft a particular house plant with a token that matches along 
with it, or you pick the room itself. And again, the same token that goes along with it. Now, the tokens are different colors. The cards, the rooms are different colors. The rooms have like a very artistic style, whether that's supposed to be wallpaper or carpet, I'm not sure. And then the cards themselves have different elements to them as far as particular scoring that goes along with it. But also each side of the card provides a different amount of light. So when you place the rooms next to the plants, you want to match it up in such a way that it it provides the light that that particular plant needs. So the cards are not just pretty pictures, but they offer a lot of information. So think wingspan, but for plants. And it's got a a nice little flavor text and it's got the real, um, you know, information about what the plant is and, you know, the background there. So I like that. I think that's really great. And then obviously, once you're able to match up the room with the plant, you'll score victory points throughout the game. And then obviously there's, I talked about this before, there's these little tokens. They could be furniture. They could be pets. Different way to support and grow the plants to score additional points. And again, it's a fun little game. It's $29. Uh, They do make a commitment to environmental concerns. So they understand that they are basically pulling cardboard uh, from an environment that's being hit a little bit. So they do their best to kind of give back to nature a little bit in that way. So it's currently on Kickstarter. It's currently funded. So you don't have to worry about that. Anthony, honestly, I want to kind of say like, when was the last time there was ever a game or it feels like when was the last time there was a game that did not meet a pledge goal or like we were worried about it but uh this is not one of them it was an eight thousand (laughs) dollar goal so they were not using kickstarter for real backing they were just using it for a marketing platform it's currently at 104 $154,000 plus so for 29 dollars plus shipping you could put this wonderful you know house plant game into your house looks good man i might back that 29 bucks and Cascadia was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I might be on that. Yeah. So yeah, that's and that's again, uh good game all around, good pedigree, everything that you could probably ask for that kind of game. So uh check it out. All right. So those are the games that we are currently hoping that lands on our table and next to our houseplants, I guess. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Could a could a board game I guess a board game in this situation would lend light or health to other house plants right you get to play the game and you're like oh this plant really does need light and should not be in my basement <laughs> i see what i was doing wrong all this time so that makes all the sense in the world anyhow let's talk about the games that did hit the table and we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up if those games are a play you should sit down and play them if those games are a dodge you should avoid them or if those games are in fact the dreaded burn and you know you should avoid them at all costs because, yeah, man, burn, burn. It's just not a good game. Run away. <laughs> so this week I have a really interesting game for you because it's a game that typically I would not pick up, and I actually didn't pick it up, but uh, a friend of the family picked it up, and this game is called The Golden Ticket Game. So not surprising here, we t- we're talking about Wonka bars. We're talking about Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, And we are talking about a mass market kind of produced game from Buffalo Games. Now, I was not too familiar with Buffalo Games going into here. Like when I saw that this was in all of those kind of like big box store kind of games, I was like, oh, cool. This is like a Funko game or a Phosphorus Hall game. And it's like, nope, this is just a brand new company that has been putting games out for quite some time. 
but nothing that's really risen to this point, or I guess at this point now they actually have a significant IP to play with. So I'm like, oh, cool. Let's let's check this one out. Now, this game, because it's more of a mass market game, uh, I don't see it. I didn't see it on the box. The The artist here is AC Atsinsa. There's no artist you know, on the box, particularly this is according to Board Game Geek, and as we talked about, Buffalo Games. So this is the IP from your childhood. We're talking about the original version of, you know, Willy Wonka, right? So basically in the game, you are one of the children, and you are trying to get the golden ticket in order to win the Chalka Factory. Now, how do you do that? Well, there is a little bit of a three-by-three grid, of these different locations in which you can visit to do a number of different things in order to be able to get Wonka bars. Now, here's the real fun part of the game. This is this is literally the crux of the game. At the start of the game, you will stick, depending on the number of players, one, one less golden ticket for the number of players that are in play, you will stick golden tickets behind this plastic Wonka bar, you know kind of chocolate bar situation, and then you slip into the sleeve, you mix up the bars, and there is a lot of bars in this game, so you don't have to worry about, you know, just randomly finding it just by looking at it. It's actually well hidden. All the components are very nice, and you're just running around the game board until all the bo- all the different Wonka bars are finally taken up in order to get money to buy Wonka bars or to play special action cards that are going to give you special abilities that will give you Wonka bars or mess with other people throughout the game. So throughout the game, you're getting Wonka bars. At the end of the game, you all go through your Wonka bars, and you see who has the golden ticket, or number of golden tickets, because that's also possible in this game as well. Whoever has golden tickets wins. So you can actually have multiple players win the game, although there'll be there'll be one less than the number of players, which means one player could have them all or multiple people can have a number of them. And again, it's just a very simple move the meeple around on the spot, take the action on the spot or take the action on the card. And each of the different children, all from the movie, actually have a special ability that comes into play throughout the game. It is a really fun family game. Uh, the mechanic that you could be awesome at this game. Like if you played this with kids, like you could just be like an adult and just crush this game and get like (laughs) 90% of the Wonka bars. And that kid just pulls out one or two and they win because it happens to be the ones they pull out in any other game. Like for example, killer bunnies, that mechanic annoys the heck out of me because I just rock that game. But the IP of this game, the thematic appeal of the game is that Charlie had this one bar. And that one bar is what got him the golden ticket to get to the factory, which eventually, spoilers alerts, right? Um, he, he gets the factory, right? Where everyone else had endless amounts of Wonka bars and did not get that. So because it thematically plays well, it does not bother me. You know, it does not it does not bother me as a more of a game experience than a game, although it's kind of fun for the odds. Like if you just pull one Wonka or two Wonka bars and then someone else pulls 10 and they don't get it, which is completely possible. I mean, the odds are in your favor if you have more. Artwork's good. Components are good. The Wonka bars, I think this game might be somewhat of a classic as time goes on. It really does a great job as a 
mass market big box game. The golden ticket game gets a buy for me. I, I didn't think I was going to say that. I didn't think I was going to believe it, but here it is. It gets a buy for me. <laughs> that game's cute, man. I love that. That's really yeah. clever. I hadn't seen that before. And like, it's, I really want to eat that chocolate. It looks like real chocolate. It, it does. does. Like I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, does it come with chocolate? No. I was I like, originally, I know. Originally I was just like, oh, cool. Um, they put real chocolate. Well, that's kind of a bummer because you're going to eat it and that's going to be the end of the game. Because I, I do think there was at least one board game that actually did have real chocolate in it. And that was like, I guess you could eat it and that kind of ruins the game. But the right. box itself <laughs> is a little downplayed, but it, it has a classic look. The back of the box, you know, has the Gene Wilder, uh, you know, character in there, Willy Wonka. And it really gives a good feel for it. So, yeah, this game's a buy. If, if you go down to your big box store and you want to pick up a game for the family, for the friends, it's just a good time. And again, like I said, the mechanic doesn't kill you here. So if you're a hardcore gamer or Euro gamer and you're like, that's crazy. I got all the bars but one and somebody else won. I'm like, that's the movie, my friend. That's literally the yep. movie. That's Willy Wonka. <laughs> that's Charlie and the Trollica Factory. Um, however you want to take it, the Willy Wonka version's better. Gene Wilder's a genius, but nonetheless. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. So uh, check it out. And again, if you have not seen the movie, you owe it to yourself to see the movie. Like, there are certainly some elements that are a little out of place, but there are some elements that are iconic. So watch the movie, play the game, good time, solid buy for me. Um, yeah, glad I got a chance to play it. Was not my copy, but I will be purchasing it. Awesome. All right, so that is everything from our At the Table. Let's get on to the games that we would love to see if we were at Gen Con 2021, so much so that we made it our feature review. You love the hotness. We love to bring it to you. Our man of the beat, of the Gen Con, from a distance, Anthony Chaffield, bring us Gen Con Hotness 2021. All right, so uh, here's how I did this, because typically we have our own personal experience combined with what games we purchased and played combined with board game geeks, like very unscientific rating system uh, where people vote on things. We don't have any of that this year. So I had to base it off of the experience of other people. Um, very unscientific again. Uh, so what we did is we looked through, we see what people were picking up. We looked at people's Gen Con halls. We looked at what people are talking about. And then also just what's in the actual hotness, Right. So I have sure. eight or nine games here that people were actually able to purchase that seemed to be fairly hot. And then also some other games that were not available for purchase, but everybody was just talking about anyways because they were for demo and they're you know finally getting a chance to play them. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the games people were able to pick up because uh, these are interesting. And there's a theme here, so we'll see if you can pick up on it. <laughs> um, first one is Mind... I'm just going to say management, but it's MGMT, uh, the Psychic Espionage game. Uh, This is from Jay Cormier and Senfun Lim off the page games. And it is based on a comic book series. Um, The artwork in the game is from Matt Kint, or Kint, uh, who did the artwork for, uh, and and I believe the writing, I think he's both, because it's like an image comic steal, for the comic book series of the same name. So this is completely based on a comic book with artwork from the comic books, which is very cool. Uh, so um, it's a grid movement, hidden movement type of game, team-based game. So talking about like 
Um, I think people are comparing like Spectre Ops kind of a thing, uh, which is very cool. Uh, fantastic looking artwork. I'm, I'm super psyched for this. I didn't know much about it, but having looked around of all this different information, it's been around for a while, but it was available for people to finally play and pick up. Um, and a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Next one people could buy was Dinosaur World. This is a Kickstarter. So many of us are waiting on our copies or some elements from this Kickstarter. Uh, I think copies destined for the U.S. are like most Kickstarters right now, stuck on a boat or waiting to get on a boat. But um, the game is done and people are getting it. And they did have some copies of Gen Con that some people were able to pick up. So this is the blown out uh, larger hex tile version of uh, um, Dinosaur Island that we all know and love. So looking forward to this personally. Mm hmm. Uh, Furnace is the new game from Arcane Wonders. This is designed by Yvonne Lachine, um, who is the designer of Smartphone Inc., which was one of my favorite games from a couple of years ago. Uh, both of ours, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is a uh, indu- industrial manufacturing type of game, but with an auction and bidding mechanic. It's fairly inexpensive. It's like $30 or $40 and um, just released. So it was a Definitely a Gen Con release, and it was up on Amazon, too. I don't know if it's still in stock, but it released everywhere. They somehow managed to pull that off where they had copies everywhere to release. Um, I'm very excited to play this once I'm able to find two or three other people to sit down and play it with, because it does have an auction mechanism, so I cannot play it solo. (laughs) Uh, Great Western Trail 2nd Edition. Uh, So Eggert Spiel and Plan B, they made a big deal out of this. coming into Gen Con. Obviously, they you know wanted to... I think they're releasing this year, this year, another version next year, and another version in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think either of us are the biggest Great Western Trail fans, but it is one of the top-rated games of all time on Board Game Geek, so a lot of people are very excited about it, and a lot of people picked it up. So uh, I probably will play it if someone puts it in front of me, but I don't know. I'll go out of my way to get it, but I am interested to know if they change anything in this edition or if it's just updated artwork. That was one of the games where the expansion actually made the game worse. And I've never, right. I won't say I never, but I rarely experienced that with an expansion. I've never met an expansion. I don't like until I met that expansion. I was like, right. Oh cool. Now the game is longer and more boring. I don't know. Why would you do that? Like, no, so that that actually becomes one of those situations where I, I don't I, I would never play with the expansion, which is weird for me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do wonder if they like integrated parts of it, or if they're going to re-release the expansion later. Sure. Uh, I think that's what I heard. It's just the base game, no expansion. But we'll that works better. It yeah yeah I do like that. That that old cover was not good. Oof, that was a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, another re-implementation or update here, Gravwell 2nd Edition. Very exciting. Uh, our good friend Daniel, love this game, one of his favorite games. Mm-hmm. I love the cover for this, by the way. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Like all those ships racing, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, it deserves that. Yeah, yeah. That original cover wasn't bad either, but it's, this one's just really nice. I, I did have a chance to play this a couple times too. Like I know Daniel always tried to get it out and I never got a chance to play, but I did. And it is a lot of fun, so it's really cool they're bringing it back. People get a chance to pick it up. I mean, like you said, that was a big, a big. He was a big fan of that, and that's a, that's a tough game. That's definitely like yeah. there's a lot of player interaction, and you don't see that in a lot of games out there, especially of that type. Um, 
I thought, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it just like the name, just the name of the game was on the cover? First edition of Gravwell? Um, I think it was just There was a a ship like shooting out of a, it was was a decent cover too. I just really liked this one. It was like a blue-green thing. Sure. No, I think that might even have been a a reprint. I think it was a little more boring to that nature, if I remember correctly. (laughs) No, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It was actually just the name Gravwell and then some kind of like weird symbol on it. I think I think what you're thinking of was the revised cover. Now there's the revised, revised cover. So uh, okay. it was like green and purple with kind of a grid kind of thing. So I don't think it gave that thematic feel that it deserved. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, exciting. Uh, <laughs> here's, a, here's a fun one for you. Galaxy Trucker. Oh, That's no. got a new edition. <laughs> no, no, um, no! It's a re, it's a reimplementation. Uh, it's in a smaller box, I think. I think they've consolidated it Jeez. down, and I think it's relatively affordable. <laughs> consider, I mean, it's CGE. Their games are generally affordable, but I think it's you know they definitely streamlined it a bit. Um, so it's got new artwork, more ship tiles, tweaked card effects, streamlined gameplay. So only one flight through space now. So instead of the three flight thing oh thank goodness but you can also do that if you want three flights you can still do that i i had heard this game was coming out way back when that it was being like reprinted and revised i did actually reach out to cge and said you know i'd be happy to revisit this game and hopefully like it um i didn't say it like yeah. that but clearly they heard that i did not like it so maybe that's why i did not get a copy of it which is fine because <laughs> i did not like that but maybe you know you got to be open to trying new things so that's 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 what we're here for yeah. in life right yeah yeah, and I will say uh, this artwork significantly better than the old artwork. Oh yeah, dramatically. Yep, that old stuff so. was some '90s bad. So. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, next up, we have the loop. Uh, this one's from Pandasaurus Games as well, and I was trying to figure out how to like describe this in like the two sentences I give myself for this, but I really can't. <laughs> it's like a, it's a cooperative game, but it's got like cubish tower type thing in the middle of the board and there's you know deck back building components to it there's time travel as a theme i don't know go check it out on board game geek it looks really cool i like the theme like the the artwork and the style to it it's a little weird like cartoon Network 2005 yeah um, some dexter's lab vibes going on there but i don't know there's something about it it, it, it seems cool I, I do want to try it out and a lot of people are very excited for it uh <laughs> and I, I just i can't i can't describe it properly apparently it's the loop i don't know time loops there you go uh all right uh, another one that people were talking about it's cora rise of an empire which is a re-implementation of improvement of the polis uh this is released by yellow games and um it is a city building game you know kind of ancient civilization city building game uh, but it's it's also a card drafting game, so it's uh, you know you're, you're pulling cards and you're and you're building out a thing. It's relatively quick; they say like seventy five minutes, but from what I've seen, it's you know hour and a half, two hours, but not crazy long considering the weight of the game. Um, and I'm always a fan of any city building, ancient civilization, anything. Yellow has good production quality, so this is definitely one I would have tried out if I was there. Okay. All right. And then one more I wanted to mention. I don't know if this is hotness at all. I just got excited when I saw it on somebody's Gen Con haul because I didn't even know it was out. Is Iki, 
So yeah. Iki is a game that was on Kickstarter uh, a long time ago, like five, yes. six, seven years ago. Yeah. And I was able to pick up a copy with your help, Chris, because they only mm-hmm. took cash at Gen Con, like in, I think, 2016. And I bought a copy. <laughs> and it is now one of my top 100 favorite games of all time. I love this game. Um, yeah. It's relatively straightforward, Rondell style, like you're launching these different careers of these different artisans and this market in Japan, and then they retire and give you these different abilities. Fantastic game. There is a new version of this uh, being published by, I have no idea who I can't even tell mm-hmm. based on the artwork on the game, but um, brand new artwork. It's larger square box, same basic mechanics. Uh, and it looks like the artwork inside the box is relatively the same. You have like the old cell um, wood block, uh, paintings and stuff but i just hope you know i hope it actually gets mass produced and comes to the u.s so people get a chance to play it because it was always very hard to find so that was cool all right and so those are the ones i saw that were for sale um lost ruins of arnak expedition leaders that's the hotness of hotness people got a chance to demo that the new expansion awesome. for lost ruins of arnak i mm-hmm. wish i got a chance to demo that so i know cge was there showing that off to people uh, Cascadia was very hot. Um, that was for sale from AEG. Um, let's see. I don't know if anything <laughs> else was like really hot, but uh, the new version of Horrified I saw with the American monsters sure. from Robinsberger. A lot of people were talking about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Capstone Games had a couple of new games out, as well as the reprint of Glass Road that a lot of people were waiting for. So, you know. I could go down this list for a while and, and name a bunch of stuff, <laughs> but honestly it was, you know, low key. It's what we expected. The biggest companies were not there. And even some of the big companies that were there didn't have everything they wanted to have, but there were still a lot of decent things. You know, many of these games I would have tried out. Some of them I might even have picked up and uh, looking forward to get a chance to play them in the months to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of good, you know, games to come and it was good to see the convention because I think that, kind of refreshes everyone's like thought process about like hey people still want games we want you to put these things out we're, we're happy to see them and it, more conversations more professional development at the table and i think that you know we could look to a little bit better of a situation with origins and then obviously i think the best situation we'll probably see is Essen this year although i'm still very hopeful that a lot of the delays that we've seen with the shipping containers and everything else that's come along with it, that hopefully, hopefully, hopefully by PAX Unplugged, that will certainly be a situation that, you know, we'll actually see a massive amount of games for purchase and not just like, again, there's like a half a dozen other games out there that are just like, hey, it was in a glass case. And you're like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it when it actually comes out. So, <laughs> Yeah. I know, like, there was a lot of those, too. And you're like, that's cool. It's great to see the finished version of Frosthaven, how it's going to look. But if people couldn't play it or buy it, I don't know what you want sure. me to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. But, yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah, between Kickstarter and, obviously, COVID, it's become a situation where you just see games just indefinitely now. Where before it was, like, we talked about this with Asmodee, and especially from Fancy Flight, where those those games would just like be you know a real event like the revealing of a game and then all of a sudden there was like 400 copies available not just like 
hey, this is a game you already saw on Kickstarter, so you're not excited. <laughs> but here it is in a glass case that you can look at. But you've already seen it on Kickstarter. So Kickstarter. <laughs> Kickstarter, <laughs> folks. Kickstarter. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's everything for us this week. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.